How you living? Welcome friends and friends of sisters to the Sister Love Podcast, where melanin is golden and females are relevant. I'm your host, Sister Love Sonia B, the Song B, aka Red Sonia, aka Auntie Coco. Also with me is my friend and co-host, the Nubian Brit Who's Fit, life and career coach, the Miss Colleen Morgan. We've got the news and views from the U.S. and across the pond, so get ready to raise your pH levels. You can support this podcast through Patreon. Be sure to add us to your feed. Share, follow, and like us on Facebook. Listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or any other podcast platform. Please be sure to leave a five-star rating. And thanks for listening. Now, on with the show. Well, welcome to another show. It is episode 25, girl. This is a, a quarter. Made a quarter. <laughs> of a hundred. Yeah, a quarter. <laughs> We've got to get, I can't wait till we hit show number 50 and show number 100. Oh, yeah, they're coming for sure. <laughs> so, um... Welcome to another day of Sister Love. Let's do a pH check-in. This is your Sister Love, Red Sonia, a.k.a. Song B, a.k.a. Auntie Coco. And this is just simple Colleen Morgan. (laughs) (laughs) That is our, our Sister Brit from across the pond. So we're happy to be here on another day. And so, yeah, so let's do a check-in. Um, How's your pH level this week? Good. Um, I'll say I'm at a five again. It's been a, another really good week. Um, yeah, just uh, keeping everything moving. The weather always makes you feel good too. It's been quite nice and sunny. So definitely lift those happy hormones, let's say. You know what? I like that, lifting the happy hormones. And God knows mm. we always need to lift the happy hormones. I would say my pH level... Uh, Peace and happiness has been uh, definitely uh, a high fours and high fours. Um, I can attribute my pH factors to um, just kind of doing check-ins with myself daily, uh, keeping myself motivated, and during these times of lockdown, and that's really important uh, to yeah to stay motivated you have to check in with yourself and try and keep yourself motivated as much as possible absolutely absolutely so it's uh so i'm doing real well i'm happy yay hands in the air waving just like i don't care (laughs) (laughs) so you know so um i want to follow up with uh, a previous show that we did i believe it was episode 23 Mm-hmm. And um, in that show, uh, we talked about, uh, I think it was, we titled it, there was something about uh, Megan and Harry. Yeah, I remember that show. Yeah, I do too. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. went into a deep dive about, you know, how the media was treating, uh, particularly, you know, obviously Megan. There's something about, something about Megan and Harry. That's what it was called. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, I just want to make note there was that there was uh, we accept comments and, and you know any commentary to any discussion topic that we talk about, particularly pH factors. Just want you listeners to know that we like to know what your pH levels are during the week and what you did to factor into impact them in a positive way. But as well as our our topic of the day, so someone did write in and. I don't have it in front of me, but I did note, you know, the gist of what they said in reference. And I thought, you know, uh, I definitely want to do a follow-up, but the comment was, um, that why are you focusing on, uh, the negativity of, of that Megan is receiving in the, the media and, and why do you, uh, choose to focus on, uh, the racist things. There's so many more positive things to talk about Megan than to focus on the racist media. And uh, they said, basically um, the other thing that uh, they were just really kind of like a bit miffed that I, or that we talked about how she was being treated. Of course we know there's a lot of positive things to talk about Megan besides, you know, what the racist media is doing, but that's the whole point. We already know that there's a lot of positive things, but when all of the, there's this such hostile hostility and racism, that's, you know, the under, at least the undercurrents of racism for all of the negative things that they're trying to bring her down, it's clear they're trying to break her character. So, um, I just wanted to comment. I, I want to recognize what people have to say. And, but the, the whole point, there's something about, about Megan and Harry that makes the media want to bring her down. What is that? And I think that we addressed, uh, a lot of the negativity that's happening and, you know, um, and that's, you know, really <laughs> the point, right? Yeah, and I mean, you know, we did talk, touch on also within that uh, her, uh, her charity work and all the good stuff that she does do. But like you said, that was not the point of our discussion. Our discussion was really looking at, you know, from the US side and the UK side, um, the perspectives of the media, media coverage and the undertones of racism, why that was and what you know, the result of that is, is them leaving the UK. And that was a big, big, huge thing here. It's been a huge thing across the world. Um, so, you know, we know she does a lot of great stuff. And like I said, we did talk about it. But the topic of discussion was around um, the way she's been treated in the media. Right. And at the same time, I, you know, the, ho- the whole point is that we're not giving the media a pass for this it's not going unnoticed and that again was it's it's definitely wor- worthy of bringing attention to do you think this happened to any other previous uh marriages within the royal family we know how diana was treated and that's the other point why harry would want to remove his wife and child for being exposed to that type of hostility oh absolutely i mean you know, they like we talked about. It was you know let let's let's retreat to Canada for a period of time, um, and I believe they're now in California. We're living in California, which was probably their end goal. But just knew that they would probably have you know 
a, a, a much better life and definitely a less less scrutiny scrutiny and less um, press intrusion. Exactly. So I, I have to bring this up that I came across an article in the Financial Times and the article, and this is just a couple of days ago, so you could certainly Google it. Uh, but it's called, I'm not wild about Harry anymore, just disappointed. And it was written by uh, Joe Ellison, which is a, a female a writer for the argument, argu- I mean, for the magazine. And I just want to give you the gist because I had to write my own comment and I want to share that. But I just want to bring up some points, uh, what her article that she, that it focused on. But anyway, she says, she goes on to say, Uh, And this is a truncated uh, form. But anyway, she goes on to say, this could have been the prince's moment to lean in. Instead, he let us down. Who cares that Beverly Hills home is owned by producer and actor Tyler Perry in the 90210 and has eight bedrooms and a fountain and a pool or that it costs 200,000 pounds to rent a month? is it really my interest to know who's paying for the accommodation? Who cares that Megan and Harry have employed the services of 70-year-old Rebecca Mostow, uh, the Beckham's former aide, to help them run their lives as Queen Oprah as a and or has Queen Oprah as an advisor? But why do I find myself caring so deeply? Because with each new story, it's just one blow after the next. A litany of disappointments. Having gone to Hollywood since his abdication of his duties and eschewed the trappings of the royal obligation, Harry is now shacked up in a Tuscan manner alongside neighbors Justin Bieber and Taylor Swift. And then she goes on to say, I care and I feel a bit cheated. I thought that he was different. Silly me, Joe Ellison. So, and now that was, that was the shortened version. I took out the short version. So listen, this is my, and and there were about 157 uh, comments on that article, but I had to put in my two cents. So I wrote, (laughs) so I wrote, Joe, silly girl, why would he care to think that Harry would retreat to a basic civilian way of living, unlike the 99% of us who cannot afford to live in a Tuscan mansion in the 90210 or rub elbows and retain advice from the likes of the not so average persons of, of Oprah Winfrey and others. Although he continues to to support several causes, why would he walk away from his royal duties in exchange to shield his wife and child from often cruel and bloody intrusive media vultures or appease the desperate thirst and empty lives of curious minded people who thrive more on coveted gossip for personal fulfillment? Why should he care when there's someone like you? Bravo. <laughs> well said. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my two cents and just following up on our topics from before. So with that, girlfriend, I think it's time for us to talk about what's new, keeping it real. So what's new? What's new? What's new in TV, sports, fashion? What do you have for me? So we... Recently, um, Michelle Obama released her uh, documentary, Becoming, which is kind of 
based on her book, I believe, um, uh-huh. that came out, what, maybe a year or two ago now? I can't remember how long ago the book was released. So I've watched, you, you watched the documentary, right? I did watch it. I, I did finally watch it. And uh, wow, I, it's so, so cute, cute, cute. I loved it. Me too. I've, I found it just really inspiring as well. I mean, just, you know, all the little snippets of, you know, them showing you when they were running, she was running alongside Obama for the presidency and to them actually winning and what that meant and um, showing her family and just the very personal side of her. Right. I just thought that was really fantastic. You know what I really loved as well? What was that? Um, I loved when she said, you know, I'm from the south side of Chicago. <laughs> and I think that tells you as much as you need to know about me. Yes. And for me, I thought that was just a really profound statement because, you know, just from understanding the side sound of Chicago, I've, I've been through Chicago, but I've never stayed in Chicago. Um, but from what I understand of the south side of Chicago, it's kind of a, a bit rough. Yes, um, that's true. true. It's kind of like the ghetto. So she's basically saying, well, look, this is where I've come from. And becoming is all about who she has become today, having come out of the south side of Chicago. And so the kind of inspirational message is, you know, you, you can with hard work and dedication and what you put your mind to, you know, you can, doesn't matter where you come from or what you're born into, you can achieve so much. Exactly, exactly. So that book, actually, you, you're right. She it was a memoir that she published in uh, November 2018. Right. And, um, you know, and it's it's basically about her upbringing. You know, she talks about her family, which really I found very endearing. You know, she really uh, projected and spoke very lovingly about her father who passed on. Um, yes, yes. And, uh, and she's just, uh, a family of two, you know, her brother, her older brother, um, Mm -hmm. who graduated from Princeton and, you know, and herself. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so they were this, you know, this African-American family, uh, it looked like, you know, regardless of the, what the neighborhood was like, I don't know what the label was like when she came up, if it was, but it looked like it was a strong middle class, lower middle class or middle class family for African Americans mm-hmm. in the uh, you know, late sixties, mid late sixties and, you know, early seventies and that's the neighborhood. And of course, you know, over a period of time, those neighborhoods economically they take real tough hits. So by, you know, the late seventies, I'm sure you know, uh it was or mid seventies it was probably well established as a, you know, a poor community, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm sure that probably when they moved into the community, it, I always think of the movie Raisin in the Sun, (laughs) you know, the whole story, Lorraine Hansberry story about, uh, and I believe if I'm not mistaken, I think that story was based on Chicago too, the African American family that, uh, the father had passed, they had a life insurance money and enough money to come up with a down payment to move in a middle-class white neighborhood. And we know what happened after that. It's white, white flight. Right. And then the neighborhood becomes poor neighborhood. But, um, 
So I, those were some of, you know, things that I found very endearing. Uh, I really liked the way that, you know, she uh, expressed and, and just painted this picture that made her very real and human, you know, and, yes. and, and that's, that's her, uh, her persona that she, you know, in her travels around the world and particularly in her touring and promoting that book that she makes herself accessible, relatable, Yes, you know, yes, and yeah, go, I'm sorry, go ahead. You're no, I was just saying, yeah, totally. That's exactly what I got from it. I mean, I love the bits where she was like sitting with the, 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 the young sort of, they look like, you know, junior high, maybe first year of high school young women. And they were sort of asking her questions and things and, 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 you know, she was just really encouraging, but really, really down to earth and really real and really relatable, like what you've been, like what you've said. So she definitely comes across as somebody that, you know, is, is very down to earth. And I really liked that. And that just really, really did shine through. Right. So, you know, so, and, and the thing I think that the people that the demographics that she's choosing to connect with she wants them to feel uh, that that this is a situation and relatable and that the possibilities are endless. Uh, that book tour, and I think that that's what this documentary was based on, it was all yes. around the, the tour of that book. Yes. Do you know that book uh, sold over 10 million co- copies? Oh, wow. Right. That's excellent. Right. Yeah, that's excellent. That's the power of her, though, isn't it? That's the power of Michelle Obama. It is the power. That's just it. She has a energy, a grace, mm-hmm. a presence, and a power mm-hmm. that obviously the little some of those young ladies and young girls were just in tears when she showed they up. I, yeah. I, I mean, it, I love that. I, I was so many more of her, weren't they? But wouldn't I mean, if you were a young girl, wouldn't you be? I would be. Oh, ap- absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So, and you know, and I really appreciate that she shared through this documentary. She not only shared, uh, you know, it was a very humble sharing of tender moments of moments of, you know, uh, youth and innocence, and then periods of, you know, maturing and growth. Uh, yes. Even the relationship, you know, of how she met Obama, you know, Barack and yes. their relationship, just humanizing all of it. It just made you root yes. for them even more and root for absolutely. her. Yes, absolutely. But, yeah, it, but you really can feel did. the inspiration, but she's rooting for this demographics that often is overlooked, that's missed, yes. that's not included. You know, yes. it's like, look, young lady, young girl, young woman or woman, mature woman, believe in yourself, stand up for yourself, you know, fight for yourself. Don't let someone say that you cannot, you're not uh, worthy or capable, or I don't yeah. see you. Like, I think it was a teacher that told her their brother went to That's Princeton, right. but she was overachieving or something like that. Right, right. That you're reaching too high. Don't yes. let anybody, and that's what Michelle Obama is saying. And I, you know, yes. and the thing is, is that also, I think, you know, society, people, others will often try to put 
caps and lids and put you in a box and tell you, you can't do this. You can't do that. You're to this. You're to that. You're, you know, not bright enough. You're too old. You're not, you know, you're too fat or whatever. Michelle Obama's purpose is to give agency to the, the, the group of women, the population, uh, primarily, and I'm going to say focusing on women of color and namely African-American women, but individuals that just have, that feel excluded, that feel, you know, that or been told, you know, that they can't do something or not supported and don't feel supported or feel isolated that, you know, this is so important that if it means through a book or any type of medium that you can get that inspiration, grab it. Because you know the individual that's receiving it knows when it's speaking to them. That's the voice that you listen to. Yes, and that's the power within it all, isn't it? That is the power within it all, you know. I mean, 10 million sales is fantastic. And you know, I mean, I'm sure the figures for people watching the documentary on Netflix is probably, wow, millions again. Oh, I'd love to know what those figures are. You know, I can imagine, mm-hmm. I can imagine. But if, you know, if they even just did a survey of of responses of how people felt or what was your impression of, you know, uh, right after watching it, I think, mm-hmm. you know, overwhelmingly, you know, if you the ratings are not only going to be high, but people will just personally feel very motivated and like they just, you know, felt like their life has has changed and all things are possible. Oh, totally. Yeah, without a doubt. Right. Now, one of the things I thought was very uh, important, I think her message is, (laughs) even when Barack showed up, but that she says that, you know, after she married Barack, she says, and, and they, and he became, he actually won. You saw, how, uh, wait a minute, I'm going to back up, but you saw how she also showed that how she fought and supported, she put her own career, uh, as an attorney and, and as a wife, but she put, worked endless hours to support Barack's campaign. Yes, yeah, she did. It was nonstop. Uh, yeah. They highlighted that quite a bit, didn't they? Yes, they did. And she mm. she said that after he became, when he actually won the 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 presidency, that she said she knew it was a, a tsunami coming after after me. Yes. And she said she didn't even have time to get her act together before they just got swept away. And right. and she said, you know, but at the same time, she didn't want to be an appendage just to his dreams. She knew that this was going to force her to think about her own career path. Yes. And her legacy. Yes. Yeah. And her legacy. Mm. And you know what else I found, found was really interesting was when she said about like um, the way the media would literally, she had to really think very carefully about everything that she said in a public space because the media literally dissected everything and then would interpret it as something else. So she had to be really, really super careful about, you know, choosing her words really carefully. Now, what does that remind you of? Something we just talked about? Someone, you know, doesn't that sound uh, maybe an experience that 
um, Megan is dealing with now? Oh, no, for sure. Absolutely. For sure. So it's no coincidence that, you know, these are women that happen to be in, on a platform and, you know, with attention unlike ever before and precedent, a precedent mm. and, and how to handle it. You know, how are you going to come through with it? I, I'm sure Michelle is there for Megan. Yes. Right? Not just yes, Miss Oprah, sure. but also <laughs> Michelle Obama, okay? Yes. It was out of the, probably my top five messages, I'm, I'll only give one uh, that stood out for me. And I thought it was important that, you know, uh, how often, you know, women, in, we're looking for that perfect uh, mate or man to be with. But, you know, she knew that she was with a very opinionated man and now very successful and the most powerful man in the, in the nation, perhaps the, the world, that she had to uh, set herself in a place and where she was going to be confident that one, that she was going to be her, his equal and two, that it really forced her to rethink her own career path. And I thought that was empowering because she's demonstrating that right now. Absolutely. Absolutely is. So, you know, and so I think that's a, you know, speaking of career, that's a good segue into uh, our main topic around, you know, um, you know, this lockdown. Is there opportunity for change during lockdown? Absolutely, and definitely in terms of your career, um, because I think now, you know, a lot of people, as a result of this whole pandemic crisis, you know, a lot of people are working from home, a lot of people are not working from home, because they've lost their jobs, you know, a lot of people are having to reconsider the work that they're doing, and, you know, things around job satisfaction, you know, do, do I want to continue doing what I'm doing? So I think, yeah, there's going to be a lot um, that people are having to look at in terms of their careers and what their next moves are. Right. You know, I I want to say something in, refer, in reference to being on lockdown and working at home, all the people that, the people that are fortunate enough to work from home, uh, for for there's a small percentage of people who already know what that is because if you either you're a contractor and you have different contracts and you have a home office and you and so your office is based at home you're familiar this is not a shock to you to shelter in place and be able to do work what i find and i think and i have experience with that cuz I've pretty much been that person for the last, let's say, eight years, roughly. And what I, I I think for most people, when I listen to, you know, either other watch other shows, listen to people talking about, you know, oh, it's really hard or people I've talked to on the phone. If you have not been used to working at home and working from home is a big, huge challenge. It's a challenge because it's where to separate your life, your normal life from your work life. And it's a huge adjustment for someone to have to go through. There's a certain discipline that you have to engage. 
and it doesn't happen overnight. There's a certain habits you have to develop, positive habits to develop, uh, to work from home. And let's say even if you're, if you're not working for yourself, people that work for themselves and have an in-home office understand this a little more. I'm speaking to people that have to, had to make that adjustment. And, uh, and it really means that to gain that discipline, you have to build habits and behavior that you separate, uh, home life from work life. It means for me that during the day you don't watch television unless you have a, a noon break and you want to watch the news and that's your eating lunch break like you would in a lunch room. For me, it means that you discipline with keeping the kitchen clean, even though you go and eat. When you work in a workplace in a shared space, you don't, um, you t- normally you have to clean up after yourself. If you do this, whether you're alone or you're in a shared space with other people that have to work at home, this is very important discipline behavior you have because you don't want to become laxed in that you're and not and forget your work mindset. There's a work mindset and then there's a mindset when you're at home, and you have to know and change behavior to separate the two. Otherwise, it working at home can become uh, overwhelming. It could even become depressing. And, you know, and uh, the ways to, uh, to change that is that you have to become and build structure, not only physical structure with discipline in your workspace. And then when, with the physical structure, and the discipline will follow your behavioral uh, structure will fall into place. Your mental structure will fall into place. You'll know when to separate with this space. When I come in this place, it has to be this way. And I will keep it that way. That keeps you structured because you know you don't walk into your workplace and you just do things any old kind of way. You just don't do it. So why yeah. do it at home? So yeah. I'm saying as for as advice for people, if they haven't begun to create guidelines and to lay a foundation for how they're going to uh, run their day, to actually really plan it out and to plan their space out and know that what's uh, and have a, a set of guidelines and rules, what's allowable here at this time between these hours, what's not allowed here between these hours. And then when you're off, you know, and you have different spaces that you go to and different mindsets and you actually working at home, I also want to emphasize it's important to take a break, a half an hour, step outside, go on a balcony, go in a backyard and give yourself that mental break and eat away from the computer, away from doing work, away from the desk. So you're yes. having real lunch. So when you go back in that space, you can go back into the mindset. Otherwise, working at home, you're surrounded by numerous of distractions. Not to yes. mention if you have children and there are other people. <laughs> I was just going to bring that up, actually. Literally, I was thinking, you know, um, parents that would normally be at work, 
Mm-hmm. They're now at home, they've got their children, they're having to homeschool and fit in their work as well. And that must be a real juggling act. But you're absolutely right. I think the discipline is the thing that pl- plays the biggest role and, and having that structure saying, right, okay, my day is going to start at the, you know, roughly the same time I would normally start work. You know, it's going to start at 9am. I'm going to get that, that, that mindset on you know maybe even put on some clothes as if you feel like you're at work you yes. know you're all kind of work attire. it's all very psychological isn't it yeah so really important definitely to have that structure and that discipline and like you said take those breaks a half an hour break do not eat at your computer you know eat at your dining table eat somewhere else you know pop out for a half an hour break right. all of those things i think it's definitely um, important, but what a lot of studies are showing now is that um, because a lot of people are working at home, um, they're actually looking at it as perhaps ways to introduce new measures to make it more accessible for people to work at home. Yeah. Because obviously, you know, you think if you're running a business and it's brick, bricks and mortar, and you've got a building, you've got these overheads and all of this stuff that you're paying, it's you know you could cut down a lot financially by having more people work at home. Yes. Well, you know what? That's a good point because I, I, I. I mentioned this the other day. Now, if you think about it, I thought there's going to be a cultural shift in the workplace. You'll find um, some companies are going to continue to allow a certain percentage of their staffing to stay at home. If you think about it, imagine how much a company can save, not only in utilities, but also if they can reduce the square footage that they're paying for the lease of the space you know, be it a 10 year lease or whatever, that can be tremendous. So there's a tremendous savings for the employer. They're really passing on a certain expense on to the employee, because when you're working at home, you have to account for, you know, a higher end utilities, you have more lighting usage, more electric usage, more gas and heating waters running more, you know, cooking. And people are experiencing this during this COVID and, and, lock at you know stay at a shelter in place or lockdown and quarantine mm. so their utilities are going up too so but they're also saving on things like travel you know because travel here in, in in the uk is expensive you know getting a you know a travel card for a month or getting a travel card for the year and you know in london everything's like depends on what zone you live in in the bay area it's different you buy a ticket from a to b and you just go and it's but here it's 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 so much more expensive travel so it's becoming expensive here it's become it's yeah it keeps going up it's it's become expensive right so what is an example of so what's an example for let's say if somebody's working in you know a uh um a business area Let's say, let's yes. say central London, you know, or wherever. Let's say the city. So the city is where, like, you've got all the fin- lot of the financial institutions and the right. big banks and all this kind of stuff. Okay, so an example would be, um, I, 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 I currently live in what's known as Zone 5. Uh-huh. I'm just on the edge of London, and the city of London that I just mentioned is in Zone 1. Okay? So for me... I'd have to travel from zone five through zone four, three, two to get into zone one. Yeah. A monthly travel card, I'm, I'm not really sure, but it may cost me around £150 a month. Oh, really? Round trip? Yes. Yes. 
pounds for the month. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. One hundred and fifty pounds. So you total that. That's over. That's like thirteen, fourteen hundred a year. Right. That's expensive. So yeah. So that that's means just travel. You've not factored in like if you normally buy your lunch every day, right. which a lot of people do. Some people take lunch. Some people. So people are saving on those costs. Okay. Which will then okay. offset. So no, tell me I something. Don't know whether the companies, organisations have said, you know, we'll, we'll pay extra for you, you know, your utilities. I don't know. I don't know how it's all working. So tell me, Zone 5. So if you're in Zone 5, how long will it take you one way to get, let's say, if you had to go to the city to the financial district? How many minutes? Right. So from where I live, I can actually get a fast train that will take me into, say, Victoria. Um, or into Cannon Street, which is the financial district. Uh-huh. I could probably get a, a train that might be, it might take me t- 25 minutes. So it's not, it's not too bad. Oh, that's not it, too it's bad. The cost, it's the cost of the travel. Right. So I'm thinking, I'm just trying to look at a distance wise. So let's say if you were coming into uh, downtown San Francisco, so 20 minutes. Right. Well, actually, that's that's the, the distance from Oakland uh, let's say, uh, I mean, that's the time from West Oakland practically to get to San Francisco downtown. So, uh, so, so I'm just looking at cost wise. I'm just trying to think, but, but for people that live, let's say you live in Antioch or yes, what Walnut have Creek. you, Walnut Creek. Well, Walnut Creek is, let's say even Walnut Creek. So, uh, uh your one way ticket I'm just trying to think. Round trip, you're probably paying, not including your cost for parking, leaving a car in the uh, BART parking lot, if you don't have to do that. So I'm thinking on average a day, you're probably looking at nothing compared to those rates, but I'm thinking uh, you're probably looking at about $15 a day. But then there's a lot of people that are probably paying more like 25 and you know potentially 25 round trip you know depending on their distance so it's it's you know and it's and here to cross the bridge it keeps going up so one way now it used to be five dollars it was three dollars probably when you were here or two three so now it's like um seven to eight dollars depending on the time of day and for the um what is it? The Golden Gate Bridge. They've gone up again too. So I just checked the prices online mm-hmm. to see if zone one to five monthly is actually two hundred and four pounds a year. Really? Yeah, it's really really expensive. It's oh really my gosh! Expensive. So yeah, like I was saying, I feel like you know people are saving money, quite a bit of money. Right. And if you think people have been working at home for let's say. Um, what going on three months now, two to three months, right. they've saved, saved already 600 pounds. Wow. That's a lot of money. So yeah, that's, that's a lot of money. Yeah, so that's like, okay. So I'm trying to think. So daily, that's almost like paying um, a day about what? 10? 10 yeah, pounds like a day? 12 pounds a day. 12 pounds a day? Yeah. Because yeah, you factor in Monday to Friday, people aren't really going in on at the weekends right but the other thing that's really interesting that's come up i was reading a forbes article um that talked about like 
you know, pre, pre-COVID standards such as like flying around the world to meet clients and all of this kinds of things and, you know, right. client lunches, hotel stays and all of this. Well, obviously, all of that is now being conducted via some kind of video conferences. I know Zoom is really Oh, yes, yes. Because you can, you can sort of connect many people from different locations in. Um, and so, you know, I think... You know, what this Forbes article is saying is basically that um, employees will just have to con- continue doing business as they're doing it now. So there will be people that will be traveling less. So companies are going to, you know, figure that this is a way to save right. a lot more money as well. And I think, yes, yeah, certainly, I think, you know, this whole um, COVID is definitely going to get businesses thinking quite differently about how they do things oh absolutely again in terms of what we're discussing in terms of careers i feel like people are also this is a time where people are also going to be thinking about you know what they're currently doing and if they weren't already thinking about making a move thinking about making a move Right, right. I certainly agree with that. You know, this is a time, well, it's that opportunity, right? So if you're sitting at home, because some people, I've also talked to some people that are sitting at home that said, you know what? Now they're starting to wonder, what the hell am I doing? Why am I doing this work? Because they're really realizing they're doing something that they hate. (laughs) And, And doing it at home has even brought it out even more so. You know, because right, they've brought it into their personal space now. You right. Have to do you hate in your personal space. There's no escape. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and so you know, it's so you want to be able to if you can't, and that's the thing for me. I I have always said when I would go to a office and come home that I want to leave the madness outside. To me, my home needs to be my my escape my retreat the place that i go so when i close that door i want to leave whatever it was out there no matter how bad the day was how much they beat me up at work or out in the street or driving or the public or standing in line or at the post office or you know all the many things that just stress you out of living in an urban you know uh uh location and there's plenty but uh it's like when I walk in the house, I want that to be my place that I just kind of bliss out. And there was a period when I had a, a position and it was very depressing for a long period. Uh, and it was really tough uh, to deal with the high stress. I'd come home and I realized I began to develop very poor habits. That's the breeding ground for poor habits when you're unhappy. Yes, and I, I would always stop at a store even though I didn't need to buy anything, a grocery store, just to see what they have. And I always end up coming home with, you know, searching for more places to put things. Now, that's a good point to bring up now because people have, since the COVID, when they announced the lockdown, people in the U.S. went berserk, you know, and and the stores and hoarding and overloading and buying everything that was on the shelf from, from toilet tissue to, you know, Lysol spray, you name it. They wiped yeah, we it off. About that, didn't we? Right, right. Yeah. And so, you know, and my poor behavior, I mean, you know, and this was just from stress. 
I would go to the store and, and over shop and buy things and, and then I'd overeat, but I close the door, close my door, you know, turn on the television, soak, you know, sink into the couch and didn't want to think about anything until the next day it was time to go to work. Now, if you imagine if that's the person that's, that's usually their space and now they have to work at home, that's a big jolt in adjusting your behavior. It's a quick, quick, quick wake up. And, uh, but I think, as you said, you know, not only companies are going to think about, you know, change their views about how they can do things. So, you know, so will individuals. And for the people that, you know, maybe they've been furloughed or laid off, realize they don't like the job anyway, and they're trying to rethink, you know, reinvent themselves. This is that opportunity to do it. Oh, there's definitely the opportunity to do it. It's that time where you can take those moments and just kind of think about, like, you know, you've been. It might be something you've been saying for a while that you want to do. You're so fed right. up with this job. You're so fed up of of, of being on the 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 the, the, the treadmill of, of, <laughs> of work. Yeah, the career ladder. Right. And I've been reading this really interesting book. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, it's called The Squiggly Career, hmm. um, and the author is Helen Tupper and Sarah Ellis. And so basically it's about, like, ditching the career ladder hmm. and dis- discovering, like, new opportunities and basically designing your own career. And what they're basically saying is that you need a set of five core skills to be able to do this. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the core skills are, like, your super strength so the things that you're really good at so identifying the things that you're really good at it might be something that you're doing in your current job it might not be something in your current job it might be something that you do as a hobby but it's one of your super strengths you could now turn that into some kind of opportunity okay yeah the second one is looking at your values and what makes you you so the things that are important to you what makes you you? What makes you tick? The third one is confidence and belief in yourself. And now we all have, you know, our moments where, you know, our little confidence gremlins are chatting away at us and saying, no, you can't do that. No, how dare you think you can do that? <laughs> yeah. We all have that at, at some, some point. Um, the fourth one is network. So increasing your networks, people that can help you kind of get on that career ladder and, and to kind of find the people that can support you in in where you're going. And the fifth one is future possibilities. So just exploring your options. So yeah, at this time, it's it's a a really good time to just explore career options and where you are, Mm -hmm. are you where you want to be? Mm. If you're not, what can you do about it? How can you get to that point? Wow. Yeah. So, you know, I know that uh, for some people, uh, who are trying to get their unemployment insurance and their checks from the government. And some of them, it's just not coming fast enough. Uh, and, and during this time, people will have to find hobbies or maybe have taken a hobby and and found a way to create income from that hobby. So that means, you know, people are selling things, creating eBay stores. They're, yes. you know, um, making face masks, to, yes. You know. <laughs> no, it's funny because a friend of mine contacted me and was like, "Do you have a sewing machine?" I 
I know. You know, a lot of people are doing that. They're and they're selling them everywhere from Facebook, uh, from different apps online, and they're actually selling them. Now, I I was some I was somewhere the other day. I can't recall, but someone tried to uh, ask me. And they said, "Oh, here's a we sell face mask. You want to buy a face mask?" And I said, "Well, how how much is the mask?" And they wanted to sell the mask for ten dollars. Now, mind you, not that this is some medical you know, preventive type mask. It's just a piece of cloth that yeah. anyone can make. And you're going to charge me five to $10 for that piece of cloth. You know, I could do that too. You know, yeah. if it's not, you know, medical grade. <laughs> so everybody's jumping on a face mask bandwagon. I'm not mad at them. You know, do, do what you have to do. <laughs> exactly. But yeah. But I think that, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of opportunities. Uh, also there's Etsy. I mean, if you're skilled, gifted craft, you know, you're crafty or, you know, these are things that there were hobbies and, you know, there are books out that talk about turning a hobby into, you know, true income streams. And I think with all of the avenues through technology and social media, there are ways to to monetize your creativity, you know, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what social media is really great for. I really do feel that that's what social media is really, really great for. If you are, you know, uh, trying to think, you know, coming up with a new enterprise, Mm -hmm. um, I think that social media is a fantastic tool to get your product or your service or whatever it is out to the masses. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and one, one thing that I did, um, you know, um, I was, and this was just as a way to get rid of, I wanted to clear out my house. You know, this is a great opportunity to get rid of things. You go through things and find you have, whether it's old clothes or, you know, uh, these are things that maybe can be repurposed into other things. That's another income opportunity. I have like loads of albums and so I found a uh, website and created a store on Discogs. It's called Discogs, D-I-S-C-O-G-S, Discogs.com. G- great way to sell albums. And if you have really the albums that are in uh, LPs, vinyl, that's in good condition, um, people buy them all over the globe, you know, and you find and the them. And they pay for these as well. Yes. they're rare and obscure. Exactly. Exactly. Wonderful. Yeah. I mean, I do something similar with um, eBay, just literally, you know, selling a lot of old clothes and all kinds of stuff. And and it's, you know, a little residual income. Exactly. Something I've been doing for such a long time now that I've just carried, sort of like carried it on (laughs) throughout this whole covid crisis so yeah there's certainly you know different ways i mean you think of people that you know have like collectibles right yeah you know you might be collecting coins oh boy yeah yeah Yeah, these things are worth money and you know the thing is everybody's forced to shop online now you know, oh boy wait a minute i mean i don't know around where you live but listen the boxes have been flowing and stacking in where i live downstairs in the lobby it's everybody you know in our trash bins are overrun with all kind of cardboard and packaging 
<laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we can't get to the shop, so everybody's shopping online. So, yeah, you know, definitely if you can look at a way to create, you know, uh, some kind of residual income right now online. And even if it is just thinking about, you know, the future and, 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 and carving out some, you know, some kind of career or some kind of small business for the future alongside what you might be doing on right. a full-time basis. So, you know, I wonder what would, what are the stats now with people, the number of people working at home, what those statistics might look like. Do you know in the UK? Well, I was, I, I did hear something and I was searching around for some stats, but couldn't really find anything that was supporting the numbers that um, I had heard. So I'm not really keen to quote those, mm-hmm. but as of April, um, uh, 2020, 49.2% of adults in employment are currently working from home, mm-hmm. and that number is set to kind of, kind of, you know, keep rising over the next three years. So I think, like I was saying earlier, I think a lot of organisations are going to be looking at, um, you know, making um, people work from home a, a more of a permanent thing. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know um, what? I did find a, a trend for. Uh, the trend that of people uh, working from home are fewer, or the trend of people were in the workplace. So the trend of fewer people in the percentage of working in the workplace for the U S the, the, the trend has gone down or mobility for going to the workplace has dropped 38% of people going to the workplace in the UK. It's dropped 55%. Canada, 44%. Uh, Italy, 63%. Spain, 64%. So it's been, those are the highest drops in commuting to workplaces since COVID-19. And that's per, let's see, a marketing blog. Uh, Where did they get their statistics from? I don't know. It doesn't list. But yeah, but anyway, but those are the estimates uh, it's based on something called buffer.com. So I don't okay. know, but those yes. are just the statistics. So a lot of people are working at home. Now it'll be interesting yeah. to see what are the percentage of how many a year from now, you know, people have I'll returned to work or we, yeah, still working from home for the same companies. Yeah. I mean, I do think, you know, the, the, on the other side, there's going to be, a lot of people laid off. Laid off Absolutely. You know, Not returning. A lot of redundancies. I mean, I've done uh, careers consultancy work in, in the past in response to redundancies. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really um, tough when you're sitting with these people that have been in their jobs for 20, 30, 40 years. They have no idea about what the labour market is like, where mm. to begin, you know, do I need to change careers? Uh, maybe I need to, 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 you know, skill myself in something else. Right. So I think there's going to be a lot of, of, of that going on as well. A lot of people that are going to be laid off, a lot of people um, facing redundancies and unemployment. Well, you know what, if it's time for them to begin thinking ahead then, you know, so I think those five tips that you uh, gather from Squiggly, read them one more time. And before we uh, go into the Shiro, what were the five tips? Uh, 
Do you right, have so the five are your, the first one is your super strengths. The second one is your values and what makes you you. Mm-hmm. The third one is your confidence and your belief in yourself. The fourth one is your network, so that you know people around you and people that can help you to get to where you want to be. And the fifth one is looking at future possibilities and exploring your options, your career options, basically. Okay. Well, that's excellent. Thank you, Colleen. I think that's, that was wonderful from um, the uh, Squiggly Career book. And who is that by again? It's uh, by Helen Tupper and Sarah Ellis. Okay. All right. Well, we'll have to post those tips on um, the website sure. and and the book. So be sure to check it out. Mm-hmm. All right. So, who do you have for us today for our Shiro? Our Shiro today is Stacey Yvonne Abrahams, born December 9th, 1973. She's an American political lawyer and also born in Madison, Wisconsin, but was raised in Gulfport, Mississippi. She was educated at Spelman, where she gained her BA and then went on to the University of Texas at Austin, where she got an MBA and then studied her JD at Yale University. She served in the Georgia House of Representatives for 10 years and was a minority leader for six years. Abrahams was the first African-American female Democratic nominee to run for governor of Georgia in 2018. And in February 2019, she became the first African-American woman to deliver a response to the State of the Union address encountering the nominated president, interesting article in the Washington Post magazine titled The Power of Stacey Abrams. I do suggest you all read this article. It is a, it okay. is a long one. All right. It's really interesting. And here are a few interesting points besides her political career and, um, and her potential becoming mm-hmm. a vice presidential candidate. Yes, that's right. She's the author of eight romance novels under a pseudonym. Oh, really? She's, I didn't know that. Yes, yeah. She's written eight romance novels. I'd love to know who they are. Wow. research on that. Okay. She started two small businesses. Um, she's a New York best-selling author, New York Times best-selling author under her own name. Hmm. And she's also, which is a, a kind of a strange one but good she's a mega fan of Star, of Star Trek and she really likes uh, tra- southern hip hop which is what trap music yeah trap music really yeah, yeah that's surprising isn't it oh that's funny oh my god I wouldn't I would never think that about Stacey Abrams so she's like about 46 then yeah okay yeah, she's, 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 she's achieved quite a lot hasn't she she's still quite young yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, so that fits. If she likes that, means she likes probably T.I., Gucci Mane. I Ludicrous. Okay, well, that sounds ludicrous. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, go ahead, Miss Stacey Abrams. I mean, you know, so she is a potential. Uh, vice president candidate for vice president to run with Biden on Biden's ticket. So oh, wow. this is, you know, to be continued. We'll see what happens. 
So, yeah, but uh, right on uh, for Miss Stacy Abrams because she is definitely a, a shero. Yeah, so today we honor a shero, Stacy Abrams, an extraordinary woman. Yes. Well, with that, I think it is time, that time again, for us to bid adieu. So, uh, Miss Colleen, on our closing today, yes. I got uh, I have a game for you, and it's called okay. Shag Mary Burry. <laughs> oh, okay, so, and you can only pick one for each: uh, who you would shag, who you would marry, and who you would bury. Okay. Mary or Barry. Yes. Okay. You ready? Okay. Okay. All right. Sean Combs, Puffy. Ooh. <laughs> oh, I think I'll just mm, I'll shake him. Okay. Uh, Boris Kojo. <gasps> Ooh. Ooh, I can't pick two. <laughs> you would marry him. Okay. Now, after I give you the third name, if you want to switch him around, you can, okay? Okay, okay. next would be Jamie Foxx. And I'm going to throw one more in there. Ooh. Okay, Barack Obama. Ooh. Oh, okay. Okay, so your shag is who? One. Boris. Your Mary is. And your Barry. <laughs> well, last you said was Jamie Foxx, so we'll leave it at that. Sorry, Jamie. <laughs> well, that's it for today's show. Thanks for listening. You can uh, be sure to. Follow us or listen on Stitcher, Spotify, on um, uh, iTunes. Yes, and or any platform that you listen to. Be sure to check out the H3 Blogspot uh, on our blog, and that's our Humor, Health, Happiness blog. You can be sure to support us, give us five star, or you could check us out on Patreon and follow us and make a donation. Well, we want to say thanks for listening and have a great week. Bye. Bye.